Well, good morning. Good morning. Hey, Tiffany, you know, you do you never do know what's going to come out of your mouth. And, and uh, but what a delight. Uh, I appreciated uh, Tiffany's friendship over the years. A number of years ago, uh, we were working in the same office together and she she had to. Uh, now, she doesn't know what's going to come out of my mouth. <laughs> Uh, we had the opportunity to to work together, and, and she had to come in one day and say, "Steve, I need to I need to resign my position." And uh, of course, she's doing a great job, and I really didn't want her to resign. And and uh, but I knew she should. She's like doing three jobs, and you know, trying to raise a family. And so I had to take off uh, the one hat and put on the friend hat and say. You know, you're doing the right thing. And so I'd, it was just such a great time to, to watch Tiffany make those great choices that family was, was first. So what she said in the beginning, I just want to tell you I really love her. What she said in the beginning reminded me of last week. So it was a great segue. Thank you. Um, you know, when she said, well, maybe if that doesn't, you know, you're dead. Well. Well, I got to tell you that last week when I came into the church, it was right after I had just heard of a tragedy in the family of a friend. And so when I walked into church and sat down and listened to the songs, forget about what the songs were, I don't, I don't remember. They weren't ministering to me. They could have been any song, maybe not ministering to me. But I wasn't ready to be here. In fact, I didn't want to be here. Some of you, on any particular Sunday, may walk into church and life's given you some kind of blow. Everybody else is joyful and your heart's just pounding with grief. Could, could we as a church family give those people an opportunity to be here in somewhat of that safety atmosphere of a family and grieve and rejoice and all of those different things? That, you know, in the family situation, we do. Right. I mean, that's just just the way life is. Life has its ups, life has its downs. And any time we come here, we may be experiencing any one of those. I don't know what you're experiencing this morning. It may be this morning that you don't feel like being here. And uh, maybe it's some of the news that you heard this past week. Maybe uh, some of the the decisions that the... Uh, that our Supreme Court made bothered you. And it really just kind of troubles you about, about our nation. This past Friday, the Supreme Court did make a decision about uh, regarding marriage. And some of you may be wondering, well, where does the Awakening Church stand? Well, Pastor Kerry's not here. But, but I can pretty confidently tell you where he stands and where we as a church stand. We stand on what God says in his holy word. 
Regardless of what the laws of the land say, God has already made the decree. We would agree with the position that the National Association of Evangelicals has stated, that God designed marriage for humanity, as first described in Genesis and later affirmed by Jesus. Marriage is God-ordained, is a God-ordained covenant relationship between a man and a woman. We will love those who disagree. We will seek to introduce them to the Lord Jesus Christ. We will do so in a loving manner. Not out there fighting, trying to change the laws of the land. Our responsibility is to introduce people to Jesus in hopes that the Holy Spirit might change people's hearts. The church throughout history, including up to today, is functioning in nations around the world where the laws of the land are in direct, con, directly contrary to the laws of God. And the church is functioning and the church is alive and the church is well, regardless of what the laws of the land say. As Francis Schaeffer said years and years ago, as the distinction between the, um, the culture of the U.S. and the Bible, as, as those distinctions grow, it gives the church a greater opportunity to, to highlight what God believes. So, let's take a moment and pray. We'll pray as a family. I'm going to lead us. But we're praying as a family of the church, okay? Our Father, you are holy. Hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. May your kingdom come in the lives of your people in a greater and greater portion that our lives would be transformed to you and to what you want. That our lives would look more like Jesus. So may your kingdom come in the lives of your people and in the lives of the nation. We ask, Lord, that you'd Give us our daily bread. Forgive us of our debts as we forgive those who have sinned against us. Well, may we ask you to forgive us of our sins. Lord, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Well, Pastor Kerry, who's on vacation now, enjoying some time of uh, relaxation. Well, he did a wedding, but he's enjoying some time of relaxation and time away with family and all that. And we're really grateful that he can do that. But he said, I can just share what I want. It's always dangerous for a pastor to say that, some <laughs> guest speaker, right? But uh, and then I was I was pacing around. That's just what I do before I get up to speak. Debbie's, you know, talk, you know, we were talking a little bit. She said, you know, it's being nervous. And she said, but you're not nervous. And I said, oh, yes, I am. 
Oh, yes, I am. I'm nervous because that's part of my personality. I, you know, getting up in front of people is just not, you know. Yeah, I know I pastored for years, but still, you know, just getting up in front of people. And part of it is just my personality. I'm kind of an introvert. And part of it is, well, whenever we, whenever we get up here and, and um, hold up the Word of God, we want to make sure that it's right. We've got a responsibility. Well, we hear Pastor Kerry often say that the Awakening Church is fully alive in Christ and to his mission. That's our goal. That's our drive. That's our purpose. That's our mission. To be fully alive in Christ and to his missions. So this morning, I want to talk to, about the aspect of the, the mission portion, or at least a portion of the mission portion. Okay? And in Acts 1.8, in, in the Christian Missionary Alliance, that's what we're part of, is uh, the family of believers. <clears throat> We, we say that we want to be a Christ-centered Acts 1-8 family. A Christ-centered Acts 1-8 family. A church that always lifts up Jesus because it's all about Jesus and what he has done for us. And then it says in, the, in Acts 1-8, You shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere, in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Well, we need the power of the Holy Spirit to do that. We never want to overlook that. And we need to be about sharing within our own community and sharing in our Judeas and Samarias. Samaria, I describe as... As those that are close by, not really like us, different. They have maybe a different economic structure. Maybe they have a they come from a different uh, ethnic background, or their their lives are just totally different. We have a ministry down in Watts, uh, down near L.A. That's just it's just totally different than what we would experience walking in here. You know what it's like down there where the, the boundaries of the church are going to be defined by the streets because you can't cross certain streets in that area. And so ministry there is totally different. Or down in El Cajon where there are 60,000 plus Arabic speakers now. It's, it's different when you go into that community to share Jesus Christ. And then to the ends of the earth... Like I hear a group is someplace off in uh, Romania or something. You know, they're sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ with people there. And uh, that's what we want to be about. Fully alive in Christ and to his mission. Now, part of the mission is the mission that Jesus has for us, transforming us and conforming us into his likeness. Uh He's on mission there, and we want to be on that, but also it's proclaiming Jesus Christ to the ends of the earth. We want to be about the mission of God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever would believe in him would not perish, but have eternal life. That's part of our mission, to proclaim that message. Wasn't the baptism service 
last Sunday awesome? I believe, was the cry. I believe that Jesus Christ came. I believe that Jesus Christ died for my sins. I believe that He's resurrected. I believe that He's brought me into His family. And my life will be changed. We want to see more of that. Amen? Amen. All right. We want many, many people to come into faith with Jesus Christ. Okay, this is, this is, if you haven't gathered yet, this is pretty old school this morning. There's not going to be stuff up on the screen. If you have your Bibles, if you have your smartphones and your apps, whatever, uh, I'm going to be reading from Romans chapter 10. Uh, as I read, would, would, would you stand? It says this in Romans chapter 10. If you confess, it's beginning at verse 9. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is by believing in your heart that you are made right with God. And it is by confessing with your mouth that you are saved. As the scriptures tell us, Anyone who trusts in him will never be disgraced. Jew and Gentile are the same in this respect. They have the same Lord who gives generously to all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Now, listen to the next portion. But how can they call on him to save them unless they believe in him? Well, that's a great question. And how can they believe in him if they've never heard of him? And how can they hear about him unless someone tells them? And how will anyone go and tell them without being sent? Please be seated. Did you catch that? It's one thing for those to go, like off to Romania, around the world, wherever it might be. It's another, but, but they have to be sent. Some of you may have given financially that some of those going to Romania could go. Some of you have been praying. That's part of the sending. I want to talk today about a ministry that the Lord Jesus, I believe, gives us as people. And that's serving as senders. See, you or I may not go to a distant land to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. That may not be God's calling upon our life. But God has called us to be Cinders, to fulfill the ministry of sending others out to proclaim the gospel in other languages, in different cultures. It's an incredible ministry. I want to talk a little bit about that this morning. To set that up, I'm going to take a chance. Okay, 
I'm going to show a video. It's a little bit longer than normally we would show here. It's uh, it's not really fast-paced. you got one guy on the screen and a few photos. And, well, let's just see how the Lord uses this. Okay? I'm Tim Zemer, the son of Robert Zemer, one of the missionaries that was uh, martyred in Vietnam. My father was uh, uh, a good man. He was very passionate. He had a great sense of humor, and he would uh, often uh, laugh with a full-body laugh, and uh, that would just trigger everyone else. He would often refer to his call, this compelling urge that he felt to go to overseas ministry. And he at one point said that he felt that call was as strong as his call to faith when he realized what God's grace had done in his life. My mom and dad went to the mission field uh, in 1947. I was uh, six months old. After they got to the mission field, it became clear that training was necessary. And so from their ministry, a Bible school was started. My father realized there was no scripture in the language of the Rade people. So I recall as a kid walking through the dining room where in the evenings he'd have the pressure lantern on and he'd have the French and the Vietnamese and the English Bible and he was working through and translating scripture from those three or four languages into the local dialect. They were preachers and teachers, but they spent a lot of their time in what we call today now uh, development, medical development, helping many of the folks who had leprosy and other tropical diseases through the mission hospital. In 1968, uh, the North Vietnamese uh, uh, committed themselves to a conventional attack. This was unprecedented, and uh, our provincial capital, Bamituat, was one of the provincial capitals that was attacked. Because so many of the pastors and teachers who were Christians tended to be the educated ones, they became targeted by the communists. Folks weren't prepared for that high level of attack and as a result the mission compound was caught in the middle of a crossfire between the communists and the South Vietnamese forces. Uh, the missionaries uh, decided it was very important to, to uh, at least have some place that they could hide in and so they dug out a makeshift bunker in an old garbage pit. The U.S. Army sent a couple of helicopters to see if they could fly in there and drop in and whisk them away, but the firing was so intense that they couldn't uh, jeopardize the safety of the crew. My father, realizing that somebody needed to do something, left the bunker uh, to try to negotiate some sort of consideration for the release of people. We don't really know what happened, but uh, one of the North Vietnamese shoulders shot him with his AK-47 rifle and left him to die in the dust of the compound and then they threw a couple hand grenades into the bunker and, and uh, that killed uh, Ed and Ruth Thompson my mother was the only survivor she had 18 hand grenade wounds her eardrums were punctured from the explosion the communists ordered her out of the bunker she tried to play dead but they saw her breathing and uh, then told her to march off 
the compound and she saw my dad lying there. He was still breathing and she tried to go to him, but they didn't give her permission to do that. That still haunts her to this day. She was taken off the compound and held prisoner. The South Vietnamese and the U.S. Army counterattacked and the communists left. They, they virtually left my mom by the side of the road, kind of dumped her there because they thought she was going to die. The, the reality of that news was something that didn't shock me. The whole nature of the situation, you knew that in any day, um, something uh, terrible could happen. But still, when you get the word of something like that happens, just like any other family member, when there's a unexpected death or tragedy, it's a pretty sobering, sobering reality. I think any time there's a death in a family, it, it, it's a life-changing event. And frankly, I don't think you ever stop working through it. Even though I, I fully understood their commitment and I, had, I was a Christian, there's still a, a, a human reaction that keys right into the why question. Why, God, would you allow this to happen? Because they were there to help build the church it really wasn't until I spent some time observing how my mother reacted to it and responded to it that that helped crystallize in my mind that there was more to the story than just the incident. I've never heard her second guess. She reflects back to those days as the highlight of her days, serving in Vietnam. Regardless of the circumstances, if we just claim the truth of what the Bible tells us, uh, we can uh, see things a bit more clearly. I would say uh, observing my parents as, as missionaries has influenced my entire life. It really, it, what it's done is it's given me a focus of what service is all about. God had a plan. And it's encouraging to see how he used, in this case, seven missionaries to go and build up this mission station to set up a Bible school, translate the scripture, build the church, and give them the church the roots it needed to endure virtually 20 to 30 years of severe persecution. It's not the building, it's the people. And uh, what's encouraging is that through all of that persecution, God has moved people, given them the courage, the passion, the conviction to stand up and follow him. I can't say I look back with joy, but I can look back with peace and contentment that God is at work using individuals like you and me to accomplish his purposes. And today, because of the sacrifice, there is over 1.2 million Alliance believers in 700 churches in Vietnam. 
But those families count on those who send them for prayer, for care support, for love, for financial uh, support. I want to share one other thing. This is on along the same lines um, of the sacrifice of those who go. into some of the other countries around the world. We're going to hand some of these cards out at the end of the service. As you leave, you can have some of these, so you don't have to remember anything I'm saying or anything like that. But this is a story of of the alliance when they went into the Congo. In 1884, five young men entered into the Congo. One of them died. The others left. In 1885, four new workers re-entered. And between 1888 and 1908, of the 96 missionaries who were sent, 29 died, 49 left, 18 remained. There were more missionary graves than living, living missionaries on the field. And in 1908, the leaders gathered and said, shall we stay? Shall we go? And one man stood up and he declared, I refuse to believe God cannot do here what he is doing in India or China. I will not go home. God did not call me here to be a failure. He will take care of me. And we will try. And God began to pour out his spirit. And schools were started. Sunday schools were started. Tent meetings were taking place of of, uh, evangelistic meetings. Hospitals uh, were established. And in 1915... 1908, they're deciding, do we stay or do we go? 1915, there's 800 members in the church. In 1925, there's 4,000. By 1960, there's 30,000 members. Uh, Each year, there are more converts baptized than the total number of Christians at the end of the first 30 years of work. Today, there are over 1.5 million Alliance Believers in the Congo, 700 churches. Today, you may have heard on the news of a massacre that took place on the beach in a country in North Africa. You may have heard about that this past week. A few months ago, there, there was another massacre that took place as some, visit, some tourists were visiting a museum. That museum... Is a five-minute walk from where we have uh, an outreach center. Think those folks on the ground with their families need our prayers, need our support, need our financial giving? Well, absolutely they do. So when you gave to things like the Great, uh, Great Commission Sunday and 
few weeks ago, uh, thank you. Because it makes a difference. And I would encourage you, Tom, uh, Tom Parnakian, if, if anybody doesn't know Tom, Tom, stand up. <laughs> Woohoo, Tom! <laughs> Tom leaves, he says, man, he's, he's been saying for years, we need, we need a, a, a prayer wall, a, a wall that we have some stuff for our missionaries, and so he's got that established, he's put that back there, and, and he puts out different prayer requests for missionaries, uh, and just back there when you're getting your donuts, pick something up like that, like that and uh, we'd encourage you. So in this country in, in, in North Africa, where the killings have taken place and ISIS is trying to, to forge into this, this one kind of isolated little country, there are about 300 known believers in all of the country. About 300 Jesus followers in all of the nation. You'd have to knock, they say, knock on uh, 25,000 doors to find someone that knows Jesus. In the United States, on average, they say maybe six doors. So that's why we go. But will it be a quick work? Will it be a work that is just exploding and a lot of great reports? No. No. It may take 30 years. So, I say all that to say, the ministry of being a sender, how will they go unless they are sent? The ministry of being a sender is incredible. It's important. It's vital. Paul, The Apostle Paul talks about in the writings of the New Testament how he, he was so thankful for those who financially supported him, those who prayed for him. He, he, he said to one, he said, oh, and have them bring me my cloak. You know, they cared for him. It's amazing. And then... Here's something that's, that's important too. We've got this team in Romania that's coming back when? Is it tomorrow? Today? Tomorrow. They're going to have experienced things that are brand new. They may have seen things that just rip at their heart, and they don't know what to do with it. So, sometimes, um, some of you know, I get to go to some of these countries and visit with our with our international workers and and uh, I don't know that any of you have asked me this question, but sometimes when people come back from a trip like that, uh, one of the questions is, hey, how was your vacation? <laughs> Just a heads up. Don't ask that of the team that went to Romania, okay? Yeah, don't, don't, don't ask that. Now, I say it's kind of jokingly, but, but the reality is God may do, be doing something extremely deep within their hearts. They may have seen things in the, in, in, in the ministry to children. They may have seen things that just, they, they just don't know what to do with it. You know, the, what is, what's that thing that the, the soldiers get they, that has those initials, the P, post, post-traumatic stress disorder. Do you know that those who go on a mission trip can have that same kind of experience? No, really. 
Because they were they were in taking in things that are just it has not been their experience. They don't know what to do with it. They see the heartache, they see the hurt, they see the tragedy. Don't ask them how was their vacation. Here are some things you might ask them. Ask them about the spiritual needs that they saw. Ask them about the nuts and bolts of actually what they did. Might ask them, hey, how did God answer prayers for you? Might ask them, was it worth going? Ask them to tell you the story of one person that impacted their life. Or how God used them to impact one other person. Or maybe ask them, was there a scripture verse that became really meaningful to you during this time? Was there a humorous experience? And they may or may not tell you one on themselves. You know, Don may tell you one on, no. (laughs) Uh, Did you see any impact or results from the trip? Ask them, how did this trip change you? Be sensitive as you ask. Sometimes they have experienced things that, man, they're just so overwhelmed, they don't know even how to express it. Give them time. God may still be working in them to process some of that stuff. But here's the invitation, and then we'll close. Band can get ready to come up. Ushers can get ready to come forward. I invite you to incredible ministry of serving as a sender. If you want somebody to pray for, Tom's got a list. You may already know some, but the idea is that you actually do it. Ask those who returned from Romania some of the questions we just went through. There's going to be these, these bookmarks that look something like this. You've got to just tell a story of some and, and it can prompt you in your prayers for others around the world. Pray for the unreached countries. Places where there's just a few believers, just a few Jesus followers. Remember Martin Chaya? He was here just a couple of years ago, I guess. Spoke here and and did such a great job. And he works in uh, outside Barcelona, Spain. And they work among uh, Moroccans, a lot of immigrant Moroccans. And so he's ministering in a Muslim culture in Spain. Well, Joanna, his wife, is already the mother of two. And within a week or two, she's going to give birth to number three in a foreign country away from her mother. It's those kind of things that we can pray about and care for, right? So, let's pray. Lord Jesus, as the team from Romania would come back, we ask that that you would work in our spirits to ask the right questions that they might express what God has been doing. Lord Jesus, I, I, I ask that, that they would even now, as they're 
preparing or coming back that, that they will, you'll be working in their hearts and their minds ways to express the things that you have been showing them and ways that you use the team. And we would pray for uh, Martin and Joanna Chaya. Joanna's ready to have a baby here just in, in a short period of time. She's in a foreign country, away from family, and we ask that both mom and baby would be healthy and that things would go well and that they would experience the presence of your Holy Spirit during this time. And now, Lord, we as we close, we're asking that you would bless this these tithes and offerings that we give and use them to your glory. In Jesus' name, amen.